Hi, everyone. This is Reed from The Fear of God. I wanted to give you a couple of quick disclaimers about the episode you are about to hear. First of all, it was recorded prior to the announcement of Get Out as a contender for the best picture at the Academy Awards this year. So I didn't want you to be confused why we mention other award nominations it received without mentioning the Oscars. And secondly, we do have a small handful of audio issues throughout the recording. It starts off kind of rough, um, but then it does get much better, so I don't want you to be discouraged by the way it initially sounds. We had a couple of challenges. I uh, had a guest in my home, and you can hear quite a bit of background noise on my end. Also, Nathan was still recovering from being sick, so there's a little bit of uh, scratchiness to his voice. But we don't want you to be discouraged. We feel that the conversation is very strong, and we're very appreciative to our guest for spending the time with us. So we do encourage you to press through and to forgive us for those audio blips and we hope that you enjoy this conversation about 2017's jordan peele directed get out thank you (laughs) oh don't you worry about that i can assure you i don't answer to anyone right all i know is sometimes if there's too many white people i get nervous you know are so good to us. They treat us like family. But he said something about needing to go vote for Obama for a third term. Dear Jesus, let it work. Please, God. I've never prayed for anything quite so fervently as I am that reads one vote for Obama's third term would succeed. 
Anyway, so we're just going to hang out here for a little bit and wait. Reed! You're back from the voting booth. You got your little I voted sticker on. And did it work? No, it work? They, they kicked me out. Turns out I can't oh. vote again until November, but like in three years. So it's not, oh, it's, not, it's not working for me. It's not working for me at the moment. But Oh, well, you tried. I tried. And I applaud yeah, that. Yeah, it was, it was a worthy effort on my part. Um, so, Nathan. Reed. I, I see that you're still sick and still uh, unable to to formulate a, a cohesive sound with your vocal cords. But you sound a little better. Well, I do have uh, f- five unwrapped uh, uh, lozenges in front of me with a sixth in my mouth right now, <laughs> which the sixth one followed a seventh and eighth that I've already consumed. Uh, wow. So, yeah, hopefully we can get to the finish line. Um, if not, we've got a little special surprise today that, you know, if I just need to just shut up. Um, um, or just can't we'll have, summon the breath anymore right, right. to push my vocal cords. <laughs> then there you go. We'll have the uh, we'll have the alternative. We'll have the backup. You know, like you, yes. you'll, be, you'll be fine. Um, but before we do that, I don't like you know you know you know me well enough. I don't like being speechless. Right no, now. I know. I don't like I know. It. You will you um, will whisper out the last possible intonation that you can that you can <laughs> that you can give. <laughs> if it's if it's smartass and snarky, I will try to find a way. I'll find the breath. <laughs> so, I noticed you were channeling your inner, uh, calling back to our, you know, first ten episodes of the podcast. You were channeling your inner Adrian Barbeau from the fog with "Hello, everybody." Welcome wow! To- <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. Totally, uh, yeah. it is. It that's is what so I was going true. for. Um, but you know, we're not talking about the fog from. 30-something years ago. We're talking about uh, a different film, but I'll, I'll wait to reveal that because we have a couple of surprises this episode. So first up, uh, first surprise, you're welcome, listeners, is in lieu of a standard uh, watching, reading, listening to, although I will say I will say one thing. Nathan, I'm going to cheap out and I'm going to give a brief commercial. What? Uh, I'm going to no. give a... No. Nope. I'm going to give a brief Next commercial. Week. No, no, no. Here's why. It's because I promised him that I would do this and I wanted it to be in a prominent episode. I've just got to give a shout out to a Another, we are part of the More Than One Lesson faculty. The Fear of God is part of the More Than One Lesson faculty. They have a new faculty member called Two Geek Soup. Uh, they're going through the uh, Marvel films, one right after another, and their show is great, and I just wanted to give them a shout-out. I almost gave them a shout-out last week, but I didn't know how many people were going to listen to Raw, and I knew a lot of people would listen to this. So True. That's, so that's why I just want to give them a shout-out. Check out Two Geeks, Two Geek Soup. I like their show a lot. Uh, they're sending a lot. They, they focus on positivity. Uh, they definitely lash against the things that they don't like, but... They focus on a more positive spin on it, and it's a, it's a really good show. I like it a lot. So two geeks. Soup. Unlike unlike us, yes, we are yeah, not we, very positive no, here. No, no, no. Fear we, we we tend to be very defeatist, and you know we're dealing with horror, so that's the thing. Is we're dealing we're dealing we with monstrosities, just as it is. Um, yeah, but, but and you're just generally a nihilist, so yeah, everybody you know. knows that about me. I just like to like to watch the world burn. Um, the uh, <laughs> so the the next thing that we're going to do, I'm very excited about. Uh, at top of every year, we let the listeners vote on what their favorite horror films were for the previous year. So we're going to reveal right here your ten. You're voted on ten favorite horror films of 2017. So Nathan, why don't you tell us? Did we do that last year? We did that last year. Yeah, and we even threw the oh. list up on Letterboxd. We'll probably do the same thing. I've got a really bad memory. That's bad okay. voice That's and right. a bad memory. That's all right. You're sick. We're just gonna we're gonna give you a pardon. Um, so uh, <laughs> so yeah, we're 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 gonna reveal these uh, rather quickly. Uh, Nathan, why don't you kick us off with number ten? Um, number ten on the list of listener voted 2017 favorite horror movies is The Killing of a Sacred Deer, which was kind of a 
It was like a Starman prequel, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. You I, like I that? that you like that? That was, that was a good call out. I'm kidding. I know. I know. I know. That was a good call out, though. That's one of my favorite moments. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no, th- uh, this is from the director of The Lobster, and it's it's one that I haven't seen. Oh. Yeah, this is from the director of The Lobster, and I want to see this movie because I heard really good things about it. But yeah, listeners liked it. Number number ten. Uh, number nine. I honestly wondered where this would place if it placed at all. Number nine is the sequel, uh, the most recent sequel to the Alien series called Alien Covenant. I unfortunately still have not even seen this one. I feel like such a bad. Well, technically, fan. technically, to to ring the bell on you here, it's really a sequel to Prometheus and itself a prequel to the Alien series primarily. I know how stickler As, uh, you are for chronology. Yeah, I, I appreciate the... Well, you know, it. I mean, you're the alien aficionado. Are you going to be one of those people that watches the Star Wars movies in chronological order because they say episode one? No, in fact, no, no. In chronological order? Yes, in chronological order. Yes. Like, in order of in production. Fact, cr- production chronological Right, yeah. right, yes. Oh, totally. Yes. Uh, yeah. I showed my children, because why are you going to undercut one of the most momentous scenes in cinematic history right, uh, right that being the revelation of vader's true identity of course by showing the ridiculously terrible uh <laughs> episodes one through three it's, it's when so i showed true. see you you i know you want to keep moving but um you you did this okay no, no, you created fine. this monster right here so no when i showed my children the star wars movies you better believe we started with a new hope we don't start <laughs> with phantom menace that's, that's ridiculous right. no why would you want to impede your children's intellectual development that way of course no i, t- I totally understand. anyway um so yeah welcome to the show <laughs> who are you talking to we haven't we haven't we haven't uh, uh, introduced anybody nobody at all yeah, nobody nobody, nobody at all um uh, okay why don't you tell us what number eight is uh number eight is the bloom house production happy death day which i've not seen and we evidently didn't watch a lot of horror movies in 2017 <laughs> Well, you and I together watched about at least half of these. Yeah, we're going to get to the ones. We watched the good ones. No, I'm just kidding. I heard Happy Death Day was really great. Anyway, so yeah, Happy Death Day, number eight. I want to see it. I heard it was really great. Oh, we finally get to one that I've seen. So number seven on the list is a film called The Devil's Candy. Uh, Like last week uh, with Raw, it's a film that I think was was made in 2016, but was actually released in 2017. Uh, This was a really fun, really good film. Uh, I, thought, I, I thought you were going to say, like last week on Raw, The Devil's Candy also featured a Brazilian wax, but that's not where you went. Don't, no. <laughs> wow. Is this going to be the thing that you just tr- sort of try to introduce to every single episode now? That's just, uh, that's... God willing, it'll work. No, 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 make, no, no, no. He doesn't, it. he doesn't will it. He told me, he, <laughs> he told me no. He told me no. But no, uh, the, Devil's, the Devil's Candy is a really fun movie. It's on Netflix. You should see it. And it's 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 very very good. Number six is a movie we just discussed two weeks ago. Two weeks. That ago. would be Darren Aronofsky's Bonkers Mother. I mean, like not his mother, but his film. I mean, I don't know. Maybe she shows up in there somewhere. But the film. Mother. Mother. Yes. Mother. Mommy. Yep. So number yes. six, 2017, would be Mother. I'm actually. I wonder if the reason it's at number six is because many people didn't see it. I'm surprised it's as as low as that. I would. Oh, really? You thought it would be yeah. higher? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I, I kind of did too. Uh, when we get to the top three, though, I'm not at all surprised by the top three. Um, number five, though, and beating Mother, which was a Don't legitimate surprise to me. No, <laughs> but it was a legitimate surprise to me. Um, the prequel to 
the Annabelle series, which is itself an offshoot from the Conjuring series. In the Conjuring shared universe. Yes, the Conjuring shared universe. No, Annabelle creation. So I did see this. Actually, just last night I saw this. So have you ever seen Ouija Origin of Evil, which actually made the top ten list last year as well? I do Um, remember that, but no, I've not seen it. So this is the second time, and I'm sure it's happened more than this, but Ouija was a very bad movie. Ouija Origin of Evil is a really good movie. Annabelle was a very bad movie. Annabelle Creation is a really good movie. <laughs> so it's like when they go back to, say, the prequel to these sort of horrendous so little this horror films. is a prequel to an offshoot? Yes, it's a that's prequel so, to an offshoot. That's so weird. Um, but it was a very good movie. I liked it a lot, and I highly recommend it. Um, so what was number four, Nathan? Um, number four, Reed, was... One that we did cover, and one that we've both seen, that would be It Comes at Night. But still, Reed, I'm just, I just gotta know, what? What is it? What is it? Pre- precisely. What do I gotta know? <laughs> I just don't know. Spoiler alert. Oh, it was, it was such a good movie. Um, now, this is one that I was surprised. I thought, uh, I had a pretty good idea that number one would be what it was, but I thought if anything was gonna beat number one, it was gonna be this number three that I'm gonna reveal right now. None other than the 2017 vision of Stephen King's It. Some people are referring to it as It Chapter 1 or Stephen King's It or whatever, but yes, the the, the reimagining of the horrific events of Derry, It at number three. So uh, you want to tell us what number two is? Number two. Uh, number two on the 2017 listener-voted best horror movies list is one that we covered during hashtag springtime for Shyamalan, that being Split. Speaturing, f- yes. speaturing, featuring James McAvoy. Speaturing. Speaturing James it's McAvoy. It's such, such a great movie. Now, I tell you what. The, the, the reason that another... And this just kind of worked out this way. The reason that we talked about this list... Yeah, there was nothing purposeful uh, about it at all, was there? Nothing per- it's, it's just it was a perf- pure, purely happy accident is <laughs> because uh, your number one uh, I don't think this is going to come as a surprise to most of our listeners uh, your number one voted favorite horror film of 2017 is none other than Jordan Peele's uh, directorial debut I believe Get Out so before we actually get into Get Out I like that <laughs> you see what I like um I, I want to. He has been waiting so patiently, sitting here just uh, cuddled up next to me. Uh, <laughs> that's not happening. Are you talking about um, me or our guest? No, no, no. We have a guest. We actually oh, have oh, a guest. Right, right, I have right. a guest sitting in sitting in my house right now. A uh, dear friend of mine uh, has been a friend of mine for a long time. I actually went to see this film with him and his lovely wife, uh, my dear friend Anthony Doris. Anthony, say hi to everybody. Hey, everybody. How you doing? I love cuddling up to you. feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I was I, there to join you, fellas. I know. I know. This is just. This is gonna be such a fun episode. Anthony, um, Anthony, welcome to the show, man. Appreciate you Thank coming you so along for the much. ride here. Absolutely, um, man. Can I can I throw out real quick a little conversation bit before we dive too heavily on this movie? So please do. Um, yeah, please do. Can we discuss what a travesty it is and how stupid it is that Get Out was nominated for comedy or musical for the Golden Globes? You know, it's funny. I did want to. I did want to bring this up. I did want to bring this up. Okay, so actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a pin in your question only because. Our listeners yet don't know who the heck Anthony Doris is, and I want them to take a brief moment to get to know Anthony Doris. Like, well, he's right there. I, I know he's right him. here. 
I know him, you know him, but but our listeners don't know him. So 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 Anthony, can you can you take a few minutes and just tell us like what you what you do for a living? Uh, tell us a little bit about some of your favorite horror films. Uh, a little bit about your as much about your personal life as you want or don't want to say. But uh, introduce yourself to the audience. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? What do you do for a living? How, what do you do vocationally? So uh, what I do for a living is I'm actually a staff pastor as one of the local churches here. Um, we actually go to church together. We sure do. And um, I'm over the small groups um, in our church. And I also uh, am over kind of a multi-site campus um, kind of, you know, group that we're trying to form in Antelope Valley here, the city north of us. And uh, it's it's pretty cool. And I love doing it. love being a part of community and building community. And so I'm 30 about 37 years old, have been married for about 18 years to Man, the same awesome. woman. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, yeah, my awesome. high school sweetheart, Karen, and um, we have two children, uh, Ashlyn and Anthony, and I love horror movies. Yes, I, really I know. Do. I'm a preacher who loves horror movies. This, see, this is the thing. Is we bonded over this. Like One of the very first things is because I was, I was like, oh, I've got a friend who... <laughs> <laughs> loves horror films as much as I do and loves Jesus as much as I do because you know like Nathan is really on this show because he loves me like that's that's really the thing Nathan has come to appreciate the the horror genre yeah, as sure. we've been educating but but his it was really his just affection for me and his affection for getting an opportunity to speak right I'm not that, that's true I mean let's be honest as I gravelly speak into this microphone. <laughs> oh, man. Listeners, uh, I'm as ready for me to have my voice back as you are, so I apologize. <laughs> now, you mentioned, Anthony, that you, you love horror films. Do you have some favorites? Do you have, what are your some favorites? I do have some favorites. So um, I, have, I have some favorites. One of my uh, favorites you actually introduced me to. Oh, really? I never saw this movie before I met you, um, but it's uh, called It Follows. Oh, yes. Yes. One of the greatest With Jimmy. horror movies With I've Jimmy. ever seen. With Jimmy. Featuring yeah. Jimmy, the monster. <laughs> right. This is inside. Okay. But, we call the we call the it follows monster Jimmy because he just needs a name. He just need, needs some name well, somewhere. Well, Anthony, you, you've it. got to go listen to that podcast. Oh, yeah. I have to. We did if on you, it follows. If you hear, if you listen to our it follows episode, you will hear the only time I think that Nathan has ever been unable to speak for laughter, <laughs> and and he had to he had to pivot it over to me because he he like lost it. He couldn't he could not say another word for Is laughter. There a particular so. scene, why you call this monster Jimmy? Yes, the okay. uh, no, yeah, no, I no. <laughs> Well, Say no that's, well, no, no, no. Listen, that's why it's funny because in the moment we just kept referring to it, like the it monster, it yeah, this and that. Yeah. And in the moment, I was like, "Well, come on, we need a name to call it that." And and that name, which I don't know what this says, but that name popped into my head. So it was kind of like I walked into the joke because all of a sudden we're talking about the scene of. Is it the naked man or the naked what? They're all naked at some point. The, the, everybody's naked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody's naked and it follows. Um, and so it just, I, I lost it. I lost it. I could not <laughs> regain my composure. But no, That's it so was crazy. not an intentional moment, as as the so, best uh, comedic moments are. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, so yeah, Anthony, I'm, I'm so, again, I'm so honored to have you on the show. When we, you know, you and I talked, it was it was 
way back uh, shortly after we had first seen it get out in the theater mm-hmm. uh, we had we had talked about no you know what uh, before we dive into that did you have other uh, I do have two other you, ones you, so it follows so it follows um, really old school one I saw when I was a kid and it freaked me out I had a lot of dreams about it uh-huh. so that's why it's one of my okay, favorites sure Candyman ah Candyman. Uh, I've been trying to I've been trying to get us to Candy talk Man. about Candyman for yes. a long time. Yes. Love that one. It freaked me out a lot. And then the other one is I don't even know if we can categorize it as a horror movie, but it was horror to me. I don't know if you ever saw it, but it was Oprah's Beloved. Oh yeah, yeah. It was uh, directed by Jonathan Demme. Yeah, it was uh, who I mean Jonathan Demme directed quite a few thrillers. I definitely think it's it's got a, a kind of a ghostly macabre yes. feel yes, to absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I would definitely categorize that as horror with some of the films that we've squeezed into this category of yeah. counting as horror beloved definitely counts there you yes. go. That, it, no question. it freaked me out it freaked me out so i want three of my favorites right there yeah. oh that's awesome that's fantastic well again uh kind of pivoting back into this thank you so much for uh for taking the time to be with us tonight um this is we're going to get to your question about the golden globes nathan we're, we're going to do that um but uh, i just have to like say how weird it was to me like this was a very weird moment to me because in in the nature of this specific film i was like okay anthony and i saw it together and i was like nathan and i are going to talk about it but i felt that we would be so void like so ill-equipped to talk about it without having someone who was black on the show and this is one of the only times i think in the history of our friendship where i've ever been like like you told me I'm friend. not enough. Oh, oh, I thought you were telling me. No, I'm not talking to you. Our friendship, you're like Nathan. You're not enough. I need a black. I need a black man. No, it was like you weren't s- enough on this. In no, festival, no, no. But you, uh, you're an amazing person. I can. Well, tell thank you, thank you, Anthony. I appreciate that. You can come on the show anytime. No, seriously, we'll have we'll have you back on the show to talk about Candyman because I've been Absolutely, trying to I've been trying to get Nathan it. to talk about Candyman for a while. You know, I, you know, I met Tony Todd. Tony Hart, Todd's a sweetheart of a Dude, guy. I know that he signed a figure of Candyman for me. Wow. I'll show it to you. Before you, you meet leave. everyone. I do. I'm meet so everybody. jealous. Yes. Of that. No, it's like, true. When you told everybody. me you kissed Counselor Troy. Oh yes, so that that happened. Yes. That wow. Happened. Actually, she she kissed me, but that wow. no, we're not gonna wow. Get it. <laughs> Oh, I'm getting him in trouble. I'm sorry. She kissed you on the cheek. On the cheek. It was on the cheek. Perfectly platonic. It was on, on, totally on the holodeck, no less. Uh, right. yeah, yeah, that's that's what it was. Um, so uh, my wife just came in and gave me the evil eye. That's awesome. I love you, baby. Um, so uh, so no, ser- so no, seriously. Um, this it was it was like it was it was a little weird, and, and I, I want to just kind of call this out right now because it was like. A lot of what this film is dealing with is is sort of cultural appropriation. It's yeah. dealing with 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 a lot of those issues, and so I felt it felt very strange because it's like part of me was just like I want you on the show because you have a lot of great things to say. You got a lot of insight. You got insight into both a love as a lover of films, uh, as a lover of Jesus. Uh, but then also there was an element where I was like. I also need you because you have a perspective that I do not have and that, you know, that you'll be able to, to, to add something to the conversation that I feel just just utterly inadequate to be able to add to it. And I think Nathan would probably echo a large uh, variety of those sentiments. But let's deal with the Golden Globes, like nominated for musical or comedy. I, I'm going to take a hot take right here because I heard Jordan Peele's statement about it. I read Jordan Peele's statement about it. And here's the funny, here's the interesting thing to me about it is especially for this rewatch when I watched it, I laughed a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I laughed a lot in this movie. Like, sure, like I kind of, sure. I, I get it. Like I get it. 
I think his I think his response was totally appropriate. Of like, what was it? I didn't read it. His his basic statement is like, "What are you laughing at?" Golden Globes as as a whole. Like, what oh, are you laughing yeah, at? Yeah, that yeah, your position yeah. get out as a as a comedy. Mm. And it's like it's funny because on one level I I can totally see where he's coming from and even agree. But then I watch the film and I'm like, dude, that like Rod is hysterical. There's lots of moments mm. that are intentionally because Jordan Peele is a comedian. Right. He's a very funny guy. And so it's like I don't know if I'm going to dig my heels in too hard on like railing against them for that because 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 in many ways the movie is very funny but it is truly horrific in a number of other ways so i don't know i'm of I'm, I'm kind of of two minds about the whole thing well double mind you know for me personally i feel like it's a it's a dis, dismissive it is it is to me dismissive and, and undercuts the seriousness of what he's going for because I, I, of course it's funny rod is hysterical but it's kind of like when it's kind of like when the Oscars created the best animated feature category, and you're like, well, that's fine, I guess. But there are legitimate contenders for best picture of the year that might be animated. Mm-hmm. And so when that's, you cre- yeah, when you have this category, like best comedy musical, which is already an odd kind of mishmash a little bit, as basically saying, these, aren't, totally the one, these aren't the ones to take seriously, but here you go. Um, I think it does a disservice. That's the word I was looking for a minute ago. Specifically in this case. It does a disservice and almost furthers what he's railing against. Like, come on. Like, he's trying to make a very specific statement. Now, he may be using comedy as his, as a buffer, as a, as a candy coating to a very serious, but regardless of horror or not, I mean, it's, I guess, I guess why it felt bad to me is it, it feels like it dismisses and does a disservice to what I think is a very strong conversation he's trying to make happen. And so when you throw it into sure, this sort sure. of category, it feels like, oh, well, you don't have to take this movie seriously. Anyway. Yeah, and I could, yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah. What was what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know what? I This is my first time hearing about that. I have oh, been okay. kind of on a media blackout for other reasons. But, um, man, I... That's so surprising to me, mm-hmm. and I agree. I think it. I think it's. I think it's dismissive. Mm-hmm. I think you know. I was looking at the movie again yesterday and today, and uh, there's some really strong themes in this movie that, uh, man, especially in you know what Hollywood went through with sure. all of the things that happened in the last Oscars and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like there are some things that we really need to talk about, mm-hmm. and there's some things that's still going on today, and with um, our president. And, and all the things that are happening sure. with race in our country, there's a lot of things we need to talk about. And I think it really is dismissive to not, you know, uh, make it a serious contender, yeah. you know, yeah, in, in those categories. And I think just making it a comedy definitely does say, oh, this is not that serious. Sure. Well, let me let me for a moment be really dismissive to the Golden Globes. The fact that they would lump in like drama and this uh, this gets derided frequently in the critic circles that I'm that I'm privy to be a part of um, that's like they have you know your best motion picture drama and then you just lump together all of these like you know musical comedy uh, blue right. artist band whatever you know like they're throwing in whatever they whatever they can and I had a friend uh, I actually believe this was Tyler our our uh, benefactor who uh, said like and there's a reason why they end with best motion picture drama because in their eyes that's the real one and I think right. that's why that's yeah. that's to your point yeah. of the the dismissive nature of like well we'll throw the bone to this other sort of subset of of things but but the real one is the one that we're actually gonna 
right. included, yeah, that's, as it were. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm making. And if any, although, if anything, and this is a stretch, but I think it's got some validity, if there's any value to it being placed in the not-to-be-taken-serious category, it's that it almost becomes a Trojan horse if you watch it, and you're like just the casual media consumer. You're like, oh, well, this is supposed to be funny. It, it's comedy. And, right. and then you watch right. it, and you're like, oh, my God. I don't know what I'm watching. Yeah, I'm, I'm a terrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's uh, let, let's let's dive into it a little bit. We usually we usually up top um, go in with uh, guns ablazing about a little bit of uh, of trivia of this film. I tried to do a little bit of uh, uh, research before coming in. I feel very ill prepared for for this specific uh, element of the conversation, specifically the trivia related bits. Uh, do you you don't have any trivia bits? Do you? That was very uh, presumptuous of you, there, buddy. No, um, well, you know, you've fact, been doing some reading. I just, I, I don't know. I knew. Um, yeah, yeah. So, in terms of trivial bits, um, in doing a little bit of reading, there were a couple of alternate endings. Oh yes. One is Jordan Peele originally intended the film to end with the lead character Chris being arrested for right. for, the, mm-hmm. for the murder of these right. characters. Um, and then Rod meets up with Chris in jail and asks him information about them. Um, but by the time production began, there had been a bunch of police shootings, which, in Peel's words, made the situation surrounding um, racism just, in his words, more woke. And he decided the film needed a happy ending. Um, sure, so, so I sure. found that really interesting because what's fascinating about even using that language of happy ending, like, I think there's such... Anyway, well, we, we can get into this, but um, it, it skirts with thematic stuff. But while, yes, it's... I'm fine on, with this conversation being yeah. a little bit more free-flowing, especially well, Anthony's presence here. Like, let's just go where the conversation goes. Um, while it is technically, quote-unquote, a happy ending on a certain level for that character, it's a brilliant filmmaking term because it's so subversive. Because yes. I remember the first time I watched the movie thinking... Oh my God, this is so bad. Like, this sucks. And then I to know. have that pivot of the rod reveal, I mean, it is it is a better movie, regardless of quote unquote happier or not. It's a better movie with the ending it has, I think, than something oh, that's more on the nose with him being arrested. Like, that. Yeah. That's almost too straightforward. Um, yeah. Whereas in this case, it plays to your biases and expectations and just sort of, you know. I don't know. I think it's an incredibly strong ending. Yeah. Well, and you, you had specifically, when we talked about your coming onto the show, you had specifically called out that ending. Um, I want to give you a few minutes to talk about that or any, like, like, what did you, did you think the same thing when, I mean, obviously he's, he's gotten out finally, Mm -hmm. uh, he's gotten out of this house and he's about to get away. And I think the whole audience feels that same sort of gasp when the, when the, lights pull right. up when the cop lights pull up what was like what where did you think did you think the film was going to go there for for this film that it was just going to be utter tragedy for him i mean you know i can tell you right now when i was looking at that uh film and and when that those sirens that siren came up and the lights were flashing i said here we go that's gonna <laughs> right. happen yeah. he's not yeah. gonna get out right exactly. you know what I mean yeah. that's that's yeah. what I thought I'm like he's not gonna get out this is gonna like cause this is what happens sure. you know what I mean sure. and so and I thought like wow this is gonna be a crazy ending mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. because this is 
what really happens sometimes. You know what I mean? Sure. Not all the times, but a lot of the times this is what happens. You know what I mean? I was like, this is what's going to happen. This is going to be crazy. That's going to be a crazy ending. Yeah, I, I'm right. going to love it. Right. You know, I actually wanted him to have that ending. Oh, really? To I wanted, him to, blown, I wanted him to go full blown and do it because that's kind of the reality kicker at mm. the end. You know what I mean? Nobody's sure. really like replacing brains and stuff like it's that. Right, and all right, that of course. Jazz, yeah. You know what I mean? But... I wanted him to kind or of give are us that punch in that. Or are they, right? <laughs> I wanted him to give a punch of that reality at the end. Sure, you know what I mean? Sure. Kind of like a gut punch. Like, almost like, um, you know, I was watching, uh, because you told me to start watching the Saws again. Oh, you know, yes. At the yeah, end yeah, yeah, of the right. first Saw, that was just a gut punch that that guy was stuck in that room. The whole time. And that's how yes, they ended yes. it. And you felt horrible coming yeah, out of that movie. Of course, because of usually at the end of horror movies, there's like, you know, good overcomes evil type right, of thing. Right, But it doesn't happen uh, the, it didn't happen in the song and I want it kind of like that to happen here sure. just to say hey this is a dose of reality yeah. This, so yeah yeah and that's that's something worth noting because I think the ending that we get is I think the entire audience feels that way when they see those lights pull up we start thinking like mm-hmm. oh crap there is no way that some police officer is going to believe that he's the one in, been imprisoned by these white people. Right. You know, there's there's no way that that he, that anybody's going to believe him. So then, when it turns out to be Rod, I do admire the cleverness. I do admire the the spin, the flip that he's put on it, um, and it gives a great. It's a great payoff to everything that we've seen of Rod yeah. up to that point. Right. You know. Right. Um, but uh, and I mean, yeah, it is it, 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 happy ending or otherwise. I think it's. I think that he manages. To have his cake and eat it too, yes. because had he gone for that other ending, mm-hmm. he definitely would have made his point. Right. I I would dare say that I think he almost makes his point even not giving us that ending mm-hmm. because we all we all feel that. I was gonna say that when the lights come on. Yeah, because you 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 definitely feel it. I think we were united when you were saying that. I feel like we're all united mm-hmm. in that at that point because we're all thinking the same thing, like you said. Exactly. And I mean, right. we're like, yeah. man, like, and just to have that kind of twinge of fear, it's like. Man, that that was a scare in itself for sure. me. You yeah, know, that was one of the biggest scares in the movie to me. Like, man, this is gonna happen. He's not gonna get out. He went through all of this, almost got out, and he he didn't. You know yeah. what I mean? So, um, I, I get what you're saying about that. Well, what in general too? Like, talk a little bit, just uh, broad strokes about just your your general affection, uh, or if there's something that you didn't like about the movie. Like, I think there can be a lot of presumptions made. Because the film is dealing with a social ill, mm-hmm. and because the film is dealing very directly with things that tie into current events, there can be some presumptions that it's, you know, that I'm just going to call out the presumptions and stop trying to tiptoe around it. Like, there can be the presumptions like, oh, white people are going to be made uncomfortable by this film and not like it, and black people are going to like it. And I don't think breaks, things break down that simply. Mm-hmm. I don't think that thing that anything really breaks down that simply. But I would love to know, like, what did you really strongly respond to in the film? Uh, was there anything about the film that you feel could have been done differently, or that you would have liked to seen done differently? Um, I, you know, what we're, we're talking about dislikes. I think the only thing that I really disliked about it, I think two two things. I think the ending. I already talked about mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. but I also think like the brother's character. Oh I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't really. I don't he, know if it was. He was a little over the top. Yeah, a little over the yes. top. Little yes. unnecessary for me. I mm-hmm. just didn't. Mm, I, I don't know. But you know, what I mean, I get they had to have the full family and all that jazz. But you know, the kind of that was um, my thing. But other than that, I thought it. I thought it hit a ro- lot of good tones. 
You know what I mean? I thought the music in the movie was good. Oh my gosh, yes. I thought, you know, the placement of the uh, music was really good. I think he, he paid a really good homage to horror movies in general. Oh, you know, unquestionably. With the scares, with the creepiness, you know what I mean? All that stuff. It, it was really amazing. And for him to do his first film mm-hmm. and it to be a horror movie and him to, you know, kind of be true to himself, to who he is, putting the comedy in it mm-hmm. and weaving that masterfully into the horror movie and having it be a real horror movie because I think we sure, talked about that yeah. before you know what I mean things are real horror movies I think this one was a real horror movie yeah I had totally a great agree. story had good scares it freaked you out mm-hmm. you know what I mean and it kind of mm-hmm. like you know kicked you to reality sometimes you know mm-hmm. at, at times you know what I mean so it was it was really good I thought the overall you know arching theme of the film was great and I thought it all made us think you know what I mean sure. but I think it, it struck the uh, it struck a balance too yeah, you mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago about how it, uh, it it echoes previous horror films. That opening reminded me so much of one of my favorite films, and we've talked about this on the show, is uh, Halloween, the original Halloween, mm-hmm. John Carpenter's Halloween. And that, that original opening, I think either I read this somewhere or maybe I, I just sort of connected these dots, but I remember thinking so much about the original Halloween when I was watching that because John Carpenter in Halloween makes this, you know, sort of ideal suburban neighborhood, you know, and then it's at nighttime, but the opening shot of the film kind of has that feel, this sort of idyllic suburban neighborhood, but to a black man, mm-hmm. that is far from an, from an ideal situation, right? you know, like, and, and you feel, I, I admire how quickly and easily Jordan Peele puts us in that man's shoes mm-hmm. when that car spins around and that and that That's car such stopping. a great scene. Yeah. Oh, it's so wonderful. And and so we're immediately there with him and then to have it go where we all suspect and fear that it right. will. Uh, that's yeah, it it's 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 a very you talk about a kick to the gut like that that throws a gauntlet down this is what you're about to see yeah and yeah. uh and and has some nice payoffs in the midway through the film as well too mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um so yeah i thought it was i thought it was really masterfully crafted just overall can i say something about that scene oh yeah i do. thought that scene was uh i looked at it today again and i uh I was I was looking at him going down the street and it's great that he puts in uh in his dialogue I don't know why I'm here in the suburbs. And yes, then when yes. the car drives by, right, he turns around. He's like, you know what? I'm not even going to go. I'm going to go back to where I came. You <laughs> yes. know what I mean? It's not going to happen to me today. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and exactly. everybody knows. Again, it unifies us. Everybody knows what he's talking about. Yeah, and absolutely. then is what, what struck me about it, talking about kicking you back into reality, what struck me about it is I live in a suburban neighborhood oh, really yeah. close to what this man was walking through. Oh, you know, my, my neighborhood is predominantly white neighborhood. And, you know, we're one of maybe two or three black black families in our neighborhood right and right. i was thinking to myself man like this is how i would feel you even walking in my own neighborhood mm-hmm. you know what i mean maybe not around the four or five houses that are around me that know who i am but sure. like further up the street you know what i mean yeah those yeah. kind of concerns still happen for me mm-hmm. you know what i mean and so yeah. i was like man that could be kind of one of the scares too you know sure. what i mean like man sure. this like is a really scary moment because Scares for me in a horror movie or anything that like kind of hits me back into reality and like that could really happen. Yeah, I mean those are scary scary Mm -hmm. things for me. I was like, whoa, that's a scary moment. And then what he assumes is going to happen happens. Right, right. You know he gets caught. So, so and can we can we pivot on one thing? Well, Nathan, did you have did you have any specific likes dislikes? Because we're we're talking about a lot of scares, and I think 
we can always pivot back to some things that we love. There's tons of things I love about this movie. But did, you, did you have anything burning you wanted to say before we just sort of dive right into the scare factor? Um, I think one of the things I actually loved about it, um, and, and Anthony, a minute ago, um, you referenced it, but I just love the inventiveness of it. Like, mm. even when it starts to reveal itself, you know, what's going on, it's not like you're like, oh, that can happen in the real world, like brain swap and that sort of thing. But there is something just plausible enough that that enhances that kind of scare factor. Like, no, I don't really believe that white people of wealth are doing what these people are doing. Mm-hmm. But not necessarily because they wouldn't do it if they could. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it's it's right, just yeah. the intention and motivation of them mm-hmm. as a group is so believable that I'm like, I think you probably would do that if that technology and, and whatever existed. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Yeah, sure. So, sure. Or at some point in history. Yeah. Right. Right. Been done. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Sure. Well, and, yeah. and, and that's 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 the other thing that chilled me so much. And, and I would love to. And, and let, let's just go ahead and dive whole hog into this element of things like one of the creepiest moments to me even as a as a as a sort of an outsider viewing this dynamic is the silent auction block oh it's so with, good i mean yeah, terrible with, but with, that's a great yes yeah, so, yeah. so great me. um because it takes you a minute to figure out what's happening mm-hmm and then, and then when you when you realize what it is, it all all of these thoughts come flooding in about like holy crap about there's a there's a time and a place in history where that was not only not science fiction that wasn't fiction mm-hmm. yeah. where there was this dramatic reality to the this is not a real word but like the the propertization of people mm-hmm. you know that's not a real word but like just just the formulating. A, a human being into an objectified possession. Right, right. And and it's something that I think it, it reflects be, beyond the experience that I actually, uh, I'd love to know your thoughts specifically on these elements. But I think that is a capacity that all human beings carry within them. I think everybody has the capacity to use someone else. And if if they had the means and resources, uh, the capacity, I think there's still just a mountain of people who would just consider everybody else their their property, their possessions, mm-hmm. their you know, and it, it might extend uh, beyond race, uh, even to, to gender or to mm-hmm. classism, right. yeah. um, where they would say like, Oh yeah, because you're of this, because you're of this inferior station, mm-hmm. because you're of this inferior dynamic, uh, then I'm entitled, uh, to do of you what I will. Right. And, uh, and that's, that's a terrifying, it's a terrifying reality to consider, uh, and to, to examine, even within our own hearts, to see our capacity to, to utilize that. But what what are what are some of your thoughts about that, or any any other that that whole dinner sequence before the silent auction? Just so many things going on in that film. The things that people yeah. are saying to him, the ways that he's being paraded around. There's so much going on there. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, the, the, um, 
one of the scares that I uh, wrote down was um, kind of the the conversations that they were having with the couples mm-hmm. as him and Rose were walking through this party of people they sure. didn't know. And they were, you know, she's introducing him or they're meeting these people for the first time. You know, people are asking them certain things like, you know, he meets the guy who, who's an ex-golfer. And <laughs> right. the guy says, man, he loves Titan. Yeah, no, you know, it's right. almost yeah, this. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of these stereotypes that go on sure, with these conversations. Sure. Like, you know, this or, or the dad, you know, mm-hmm. saying, my man, my man. Right. You know what I mean? And, it's, right. and it, it's that thing. Those things like really still happen in society, you know, sure, with the like, course. oh, I have black friends or I love Tiger or, you know what I mean? Trying to right. bridge this gap, you know what I mean? Because we know it's mm-hmm. there. You sure. know what I mean? That kind of thing. But also... Uh, figuring out that they're not just asking him because you right. know, they want to know if he golfed before, but they want to know can he live in your body? Yes, you know oh, what I mean. Is, like, oh my god, which is the crazy. You know what I mean? Like, and they're kind of just scoping him out. Like, let me see your. And, and they and they cut that scene by saying the old guy, older guy says, "Let's see your form." You right. know what I mean? And, right. and then you know, Chris just stares at him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then the next one is, I believe. A lady is with her husband who's in a wheelchair. Looks like he's about to die, yes. you know, pretty soon. Yes. And she feels his arms right. and says, ooh, right. are you strong? And then asks mm-hmm. him about his athletic prowess sure. and things like mm-hmm. that. And so, but with, with that, and that's another gut punch because what I think about now is, you know, kind of kind of that stuff is still happening in terms of, you know, Man, football, basketball players. Right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. They, you know, mm-hmm. let me see how strong you are. How fast can you run? Let's see how sure. fast you can run that 40. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Right. You know what I mean? So all of those things that in the back community we still look at like, man, and we connect, even though it's not. It's not slavery. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, what it was back then. Sure. But because of, you know, generations of people telling us this and us mm-hmm. having like open eyes to look at these things and say, man, that looks like or that feels like what it was back then. Sure. You know, what I mean, sure. we pay attention to those things more than maybe others would. You know, what I mean, so That's that even was looking at that. I was like, wow, these guys, mm-hmm. this guy is on the auction block. You know, right. what I mean, they're yes. walking him through kind of like picking up his attribute attributes and trying to see who he is. So that was rated. all mm-hmm. really creepy. That was really well, creepy. And then. <clears throat> that culminates. I mean, it precedes the auction block scene, but. From a film back to the filmmaking too, like that culminates in one of the most creepy moments in the movie, when Chris gets really flustered outside and storms inside and up the stairs, and like the whole oh action God. on screen stops yes. and everyone pivots. That's that. such. I mean, from a filmmaking, from a film craft standpoint, it's brilliant. Yes. But yeah, it just further enhances that creepy factor because, especially if it's your first time watching, you're like, what? is right. going on this is so weird so anyway yeah i'm with you like like all of that and it's funny you mentioned that because i thought a minute ago about you know there's no perfect analogy um we talked about this last week with raw and just metaphors and things like that but you know the 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 modern nature of professional athletics is what came to mind like mm-hmm. old white dudes owning these major billion dollar sports franchises that are largely populated by athletically adept african-americans you know and yeah and it's fascinating i'm going to be sensitive with trying not to give too many identifying factors here but a group of folk i you know occasionally socialize with here in town are huge football fans and 
I don't know if you know this, but the Charlotte Panthers are mm-hmm. being sold because of Jerry Richardson's stupid old white man, you know, proclivities. Sure. Well, you know, P. Diddy, Kaepernick, and Steph Curry have all like thrown their names in the ring, which I, I'm like, that's awesome. Partly because I just sure, love, yeah. I, I love like the notion of pissing off people. Um, <laughs> but it's so fascinating because my the people I'm referring to that are big football fans, they're like, no, that's ridiculous. How could you ever do? I'm, I'm like, yes, this is exactly what we're talking about here is like, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's all good when the old crusty white guy owns yeah. mm-hmm. the, 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 the sports franchise, you know, but you, you get a, uh, you, you get a Kaepernick very sensitively expressing himself and you get mm-hmm. uh, uh, black men of wealth vying for, that franchise and it's like whoa whoa slow down everybody you know right, anyways, right, right. these these, these well, exact I mean, things i think are what peel is after it's yeah. exposing those even for what i think reed and i would say we we try to be pretty progressive and and, and that sort of thing but uh, this is this is tilting into themes a little bit what i wrote down when i first saw it i can recall after the film being in the restroom and there being this black man at the um not at the urinal that's what it sounded like i was about to say but at the um sink oh and, yes and yes. these feelings that happened in me of like and it was so funny if you had a camera on me in that moment i probably would have made a furtive glance at this man and we had sure. both come out of that movie but what was going on in my head was i'm like do i give you a hug and tell you i'm sorry do I, <laughs> right. do I talk yeah. to you at all? Like, it was right. this really fascinating for someone who would try to say largely free of those sort of uh, internal burdens that we're talking about here to still be faced with, like, how have I been complicit? How of uh, consciously or, or, or subconsciously? What do I now do in light of those feelings? You know, all that sort of stuff. So it's a, it's a yeah. powerful piece of art. Yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I was th- I I remember thinking in the moment watching the film the first time before I knew where the whole thing's going before mm-hmm. I knew that, that they're actually parading him to to auction off his his being his person and I remember getting so frustrated by the the notion of like oh well you know the oh I love Tiger or that I would vote for Obama for a third term or all this other stuff and it, it frustrates me on a on a more individual personal level the notion that the only way the only way you have to identify with somebody is their physical attributes Mm -hmm. because of the way that i'm individually framed and i'm obviously no better than anybody else but one thing that matters to me very deeply is just how do you think and how do you feel Mm -hmm. so because i myself am a am a feeler and and i tried i pride myself as a thinker so so when i want to connect to somebody uh physical attributes is almost secondary to how do you think and how do you feel right and so it frustrates me sometimes and this is not to say i'm devoid of complicity in any of in any of these things but it frustrates me sometimes when people feel like the way they can connect or relate to somebody is well let me tap into a a shared connecting physical attribute point um and and i don't know because maybe i'm being too judgmental even in call in calling that out because maybe some people like I, I'm a thinker and a feeler, but maybe other people that is how they relate to somebody is like, Oh, you, you look like me. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's like, if that would be permissible or commendable, uh, in one subset of people, is it, 
you know, not possible to allow that to be permissible and acceptable in another subset of people. In other words, Mm -hmm. if somebody like I was thinking of uh, thinking of two things, the in that specific scene, Jordan Peele calls them both out because they're like, I love Tiger and they're talking about his strength and all this other stuff. But then Chris, understandably, goes up to to who is called Logan. He's Andre, but Mm -hmm. goes up to him and is like, I'm so happy to see another brother here. Yeah. So now for him, it's comfort and assurity and I'm not alone, you know, but it is still that same, that same kind of thing is like connecting with people on their, on the layer of just Mm -hmm. their, their physical attribution um, and the stereotypes associated with that. And so I I found that immensely fascinating. There's a lot of different, I think the film's very smart Mm -hmm. and I think the film is trying very hard and it's very intentional in it's use of those kinds of interactions yeah. to make to make certain statements. Um, one of the things that I found really interesting, and, and this probably wouldn't show up anywhere in themes, this is probably like the, the one big place. But can we talk about Creepy Rose eating her cereal with the mm. freaking the freaking milk? Like, oh, that's great. <laughs> like, <laughs> so here's the. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, Anthony, but I think we were sitting in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. And I think I said this in the movie theater. I don't mm-hmm. talk in movies. I mean, my bad. I don't do that. Um, but when I'm sitting next to a friend that I can, you know, cuddle up with and whisper to, then I'm <laughs> but um, but no, I think I leaned over to you in that moment and I said, like, I think I said, like, holy crap, she is separating, separating the white from, from the, the colors. colors. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh my god, yeah. I cannot, I cannot believe that. But is that? But is that? Well, what's funny like is I also thought what, I didn't think that directly although i do think that's um a point to make but all i thought was she's eating fruit loops this is perfect like she's a fruit loop you know what i mean like this, oh, this right, is right. crazy yes to be so the way she is so so one of one of one of the things i loved about the movie was misdirection oh he, yeah, yeah he 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 does a lot of misdirection in this mm-hmm. movie and you know and a lot of these things that we've been talking about is you know all about the you know the stereotypes and race and things like that sure. when he kind of throws you off and he's got you going in that direction you're thinking like oh man this is all it's about but you forget about that this girl is just crazy right yes. she's just, right she's just right. loony yeah, you know what i mean and so nuts. when when uh, uh, Peel is asked about this and everybody assumes she's separating the colors from the white oh, sure, he's right. like it's just she's crazy. She's just nuts. She's just she's yeah. just nuts. You yeah, know what I mean? It has. It, I, he was like, "That's that's a good way to think," but you yeah. know, I mean, yeah, this is what's happening just, in the movie too. But she's just loony. She's just loony, <laughs> yeah. and I think it's more to what you said. She's just she's eating Fruit Loops and she's loony. She's, she's a fruit, yeah. <laughs> like, she's a fruit Loops. You know. Hey, let me and, let me throw out a uh, sort of observation slash question that I think something that was so, and it it's both scares and themes. It kind of fits both of those rather rather securely. I think what, to me, is so fascinating about this movie, and maybe there are others with similar subject matter that I just haven't seen or I'm not aware of, but I can't think off the top of my head of another film where the threat to the protagonist and the fear we have as a viewer for him are drawn so directly and explicitly from the character's identity alone. Does that make sense? Like, right. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like typically in a scary movie or a thriller or whatever, like there is this external threat that the protagonist wanders into. I'm thinking of, uh, like a green room read. Like, oh yes, of course. Yeah. These guys are, are Nazis and they're crazy people and and they're terrible humans. Our characters just happen to wander into the web. It's it really 
isn't about who the who the the protagonists are per se, other than just not right. being crazy right. racist Nazis. But in this particular movie, from from opening frame to closing credit, the mere fact that he is black makes your conscientiousness for him as a character that much stronger. You're like, right? Yeah. It's it's nothing. It, and which is probably Peel's intention here. Like in Green Room, those guys could get out of that situation if they, if you know, if if the circumstances led them in such a way that they could, right? And right. get out. Chris is black. He just is, yeah. and mm-hmm. he's not going to not be black. And so, because of that, because of the nature of the story, and uh, you know, it, I think it just adds that layer of resonance of like, for me personally, of sure. of man. You know, again, flashing those notes of where are you complicit? This, so this is what this feels like. You know, because because we naturally identify with a protagonist in a story, you're naturally going to want well for him, but because of who he is, mm-hmm. you're fearful for his well-being. So I don't know. Yeah. I just I found that such a brilliant. You you can't just recreate that over and over in film, but it's such on a, on a pure you know sort of sort of craft story craft standpoint it's so perfect like you sure the threat is merely because of who he is right and and not and yes it is because of these objective crazy white people but you don't have to be a crazy white person for that black man to be uncomfortable and scared by a lot of the character in the very beginning that we talked about just wandering through the neighborhood anyway i just found that such a brilliant you know, because it served so well to 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 strike in your own self. Like, man, what? Oh my gosh! Okay, wow, that's crazy. I don't know. I'm just rambling now. No, no, no. Well, one thing that I wanted one thing that I wanted to mention, and man, it's like it's like I try so hard to. You have these thoughts that you think like because because there is a part of me that I know is a going to be blind to the the reality of this circumstance as a black man and because I consider myself to be a relatively empathetic person, somebody who can, who can easily fit into the, another sho- the shoes of another person, I took, I took note of how much, I'm going to make this statement just how it hits in my head and I'm mm-hmm. going to apologize if it's insensitive, of how aware Chris is that he's black. Mm-hmm. And it's something that struck me that, so, so he's cautious of meeting her parents because mm-hmm. he's like, do they know I'm black? Right. When the cop pulls them over and he's asking for his license, yep. Chris is not surprised mm-hmm. in the slightest. Yeah. And, and with with everything that that plays out before the real conceit of the film is revealed, um, he's just sort of aware of this. And it made me think, and this is this is probably just the reality, and this is what I want you to speak to, Anthony. Just correct me, re-steer me, or or just respond the reality of living as a white man versus the reality of living as a black man because i do not and i'm and i'm not surrounded by a culture or a situation that forces me to yeah i do not live in perpetual awareness of my whiteness yeah yeah and and it's something that really stuck out to me about like that there are certain elements of my being that I do live in perpetual insecurity about, and I do live in, in sort of perpetual. I'm a I'm a skinny guy. I'm a small guy, mm-hmm. so frequently like a size thing kind of comes up. Just sure. in terms of people are tall or they're or they're rather hefty. I 
you know, can feel intimidated or can be sort of uh, overshadowed in those moments. But my race, my identity does not play a factor. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, I don't even know if I'm setting up a question, but I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that yeah, element of things. I, I think, I think you know, responding to what you, both of you guys said, I, you know, I was thinking when you were talking that, you know, um, even the complexion, of the actors who were yeah. black in the movie yeah. really mattered. And sure, he he sure. picked darker black people. He sure, didn't pick people sure. who were more of my complexion. Listeners, I know you can't see me, but I'm more of kind of the Will Smithish mm, type yeah, of hue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So he didn't pick that kind of actor. He picked more, you know, kind of... Um, Wesley uh, Snipes? Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Forrest Whitaker sure, right. type mm-hmm. of um, actors. And I thought that was really important because even in the black community... Because of way back and, you know, slavery and things like that, we were even separated in that. Like, the lighter you were, the better you were. The darker you were, the worse you were. Right? Mm -hmm. And so, we are aware of that. We are aware of our blackness, the shade of our blackness. You know what I mean? If we're darker Mm -hmm. than, you know what I mean? Because the lighter you are, the more uh, easily you can kind of, like, blend into society or Mm -hmm. to, you know, to white society. You know what I mean? Because... Even in black communities, you know what I mean? The closer you get to light is the closer you get to right, kind of. Oh, you know what I mean? Dang. And so, so and, and I understand this, too, about where you're sitting, right? Mm-hmm. And I think this is where we as Christians, uh, with this whole race thing, mm-hmm. have to think about grace, right? Because sure. um, what the movie really does with you following the protagonist is it puts you in his seat. Like you guys were saying, you know what I mean? And you you sit where he sits. But even, the, you know, and you might not have, you know, kind of, uh, you, you didn't grow up, like you said, in that kind of culture to understand what he's going through, really. But you get a taste of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's what Peel wants to do is give you a taste of that. Sure. You know what I mean? And you understand that. But also to start these kind of conversations that we're having here today. Right. You know what I right. mean? To say, man, like. Is this? Do you really feel like that when you walk through a suburb? Is right. that how you really feel? May that have, may that be how Trayvon Martin was feeling when mm-hmm. he was walking right. home? Right. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. You want to, you know, just kind of. He's building this bridge to have these conversations that we all need to have. You know what I mean? Sure. But also, I think as African Americans, we've got to understand that when you when you sit in the in the privilege that you have sure right of course um yeah. you sit in that privilege you really don't understand even the privilege because you're sitting in it so you right. don't see it right. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i and i understood this and uh when somebody said that to me i understood this about you know gender you know what i mean sure. i really don't understand the privilege i sit in as a man you know what i mean because right. when i started right. looking at like like the me too movement and all that kind of stuff sure, of course. you know what i mean yeah. like i don't I have a lot of privilege as a man that a woman just doesn't have. Even a white woman doesn't yeah, have. Course. You know what right. I mean? And so it's, you know, so I don't see it. So what I try to do is I try to say, I try to sit where those people sit that don't have the privilege that I have and say, right. and kind of, you right. know, say, take my feelings off the off the board and say, hey, how are you feeling about this? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Empathy is all about not trying to fix things, but trying to understand things. Yes. You know what I mean? And yes. trying to, like, you know, I always say this, Jesus with the woman at the well did this really awesomely with her. Mm. He sat where she sat. 
This was a woman right, who was right. outcast, coming out the well at the wrong time of the day, the wrong well, with nobody. He knew she was, she was an outcast, and he could have been an outcast by sitting with her, talking to her, right, but he course. sits where she sits. And yeah. I think that's what you know we need to do with this movie and all of the things that kind of like you know spur us on to these conversations, mm-hmm. is sit where other people sit to say, man, like is that how you really feel? Because... I'm really sorry about that. And I don't want you to go through that. You right, know what I mean? Right. And here's here's the other thing I want a lot of um of 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 my white brothers and sisters to know is that um we don't want or I don't want you to feel guilty about what happened in the past because Reed you got you guys weren't owning slaves, right? And I don't even know if your family owned slaves. I don't even I honestly don't even know if my family was in slavery. Actually, sure, I don't even know sure. that. You know what I mean? I don't know back that far. And so I don't want you to feel guilty. I just want you to understand. Yeah, I just want you to understand. You know what I mean? And I think this movie helps us kind of get an understanding. It's funny. It's horror. It's yeah, fun to watch. Right. You know what I mean? But it brings up these serious conversations that we can have to understand each other. I think you you just brought up a really good, just a really profound point. So I didn't see any of these tweets. I don't know that much about this, but um, I believe the uh, the rapper Lecrae, the mm-hmm. um, uh, noted Christian rapper, I think Grammy winning yeah. rapper. Um, he had tweeted, I, I forget what I think the, I know where you're going. Oh yeah. You, you may. He had tweeted at one point, a picture, um, of black men and women in cotton fields. And he said, my family on July 4th, 1776. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, where I thought, where I thought you were going there. I'm sorry to interrupt. He also, no, it's okay. he also, I'm pretty sure it was Lecrae. It was either him or Kendrick Lamar, but I'm pretty sure it was Lecrae. Lecrae tweeted a, a gif of Catherine Keener in, this is where I thought you were going there, in Get Out, uh, stirring the, the oh. tea, at Ben Carson. Oh, for mm. real? Yeah, for Dang. real. Yeah. Like, that, 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 uh, like during the election season? Uh-huh. Or yep. was it following? Well, I'm pretty sure it's oh, once Carson my. came on board. With HUD and all that sort of stuff, so but yeah, yeah sure, was, of course, it was intended as wow. hey, hey man, you you've been you've been taken. Wow! Oh heck yeah! Dang! <laughs> yeah. And see, and and that's the other thing. That's the other thing too. Is is like what you said about. I think that we, golly, I'm going to be a little bold in my language here. Like, understanding does not equate with guilt. Yeah. Like for Absolutely. me to for me to encounter something. That, because here's the other thing that, that, that sometimes gets leveled at this film is I've heard people call it overly preachy. And I, I, I've seen overly preachy films. I do not put Get Out in that category. But if I'm, if I'm looking at this and I'm looking at, at situations that it's like, okay, well, this makes, this makes it uncomfortable or this can sometimes make something uncomfortable. Mm. I think about it, like you mentioned, as a man looking at this other thing. I think... There is a difference between guilting and shaming mm-hmm. and the struggle to get someone to understand. Yeah. And I think absolutely. I think that they they do not have to be synonymous with them one another. And for someone to be sitting in a in an arena and it's like, you know, I, I've been in places where I'm like, well now I just feel bad for being white. Mm-hmm. Like like I've mm-hmm. been in, in, in arenas like that. And then I've been in other arenas where where that Maybe it was the same exact subject, but not the same sensibility, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and not the not the same tone 
towards like there there are there are plenty of times where I have to acknowledge like there are things I am not going to understand. I'm never going to understand what it's like to be a woman. I'm never going to understand what it's like uh, to be any other race or nationality other than white. Right. I'm never going to understand what it what it was like to grow up in the Bronx or th- you know like any mm-hmm. another these of these other things mm-hmm. that I'm just never going to because I have the understandings that I have. Yeah. And if we have the courage to share understandings, yeah. Without either feeling defensive, feeling like we need to, uh, you know, cry out against like, hey, don't guilt me, don't shame me, anything like that. Because I've heard like so many people when you talk about race relationships, so many people will be will will say from the opposite frame that you just expressed, they will say like, well, my family didn't own slaves, and mm-hmm. my family didn't. Like, well, first of all, that's not the point. Yeah. Second Absolutely. of all, regardless of that, there's a phrase I think I've used it on the pod before. And I this this is a, a a foundational phrase for me in in understanding reconciliation and matters of uh, kind of coming together, trying to unite what was previously divided. The phrase is, and I heard it first at work, but it's not my fault, but it is my responsibility. Mm. And this understanding of yeah, there th- yeah, I may have maybe I did. To my knowledge. I have I have not been openly and actively a propitiator of that kind of that kind of behavior or that kind of attitude mm-hmm. towards uh, members of another race. To my knowledge, I haven't been. Um, maybe there there are instances because I grew up in the South. There, it's entirely possible mm-hmm. that out of pure ignorance and out of pure lack of understanding. So if somebody comes to me. It would be really easy for me with a certain attitude to adopt a thing of like, hey, that's not my baggage. That's not my problem. That's not mm-hmm. my issue. But I do think we share a collective responsibility to try to help under try to help understand. We talk a lot on the show about the other, whoever the other is for you. Okay. So so the other uh, as a, you know, 30 something middle class white American Christian male I have a lot of others, mm-hmm. quote unquote, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of, of weight of understanding that I have to try to take on. I have to try to say like, okay, what is, what is the world like for you? And what is the rhythm of a normal day like for you? What is, you know, what, what is it to walk in your shoes? And I, I do struggle sometimes with people who are so adamantly resistant mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. You know, um, we've talked before about the situation within the NFL and the national anthem and and all of these things that that people want to well the the Lecrae thing that I was going to bring up is as soon as he you know tweeted that my family on July fourth seventeen seventy six a um, lot of people so the internet's just a, a terrible place but <laughs> a lot of people are just like okay of they're um, good. yeah they're like okay I'm done with you man like I always supported you like it's supposed to be about a gospel thing you're making it about a race thing and yeah. it's like no this this is yeah. I don't know. Lecrae never shook his hand. This is this seems to be something that is just a matter integrated into his daily experience. Yeah. yeah. And and why would we not want to sincerely? Why would we not want to try to build a bridge 
to help understand the other side of the of the perspective. Why wouldn't yeah. we want especially, to? Especially especially with someone who is supposed to be your brother in Christ, brother right. and sister in Christ. Right. And so and and here's the other thing. I think there's two things happening here. I think one is that we as Americans mm-hmm. just haven't dealt with the black eye of America. Yeah. Which yeah. was what happened in slavery and a lot of other things that yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. Not only with slavery, but what happened with the Indians and all kinds oh, of God, things. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. all mm-hmm. kinds of things that we don't acknowledge in our history. We talk about it a little bit, but we really don't we really don't educate people and say, hey, man, this happened and let's never let this happen again. Like, for instance, right. Right. you know, when um, uh, two of uh, my friends just came back from Germany. Mm. Um, where they were in Germany, there are so many places in Germany where they talk about Nazis and what happened in the Holocaust over and over again, say, well, this is not us, this is not what we want to be, we'll never be this again. Yes. Like, you know, they talk about it constantly in just their social consciousness. Right. In our social consciousness, we try to sweep things under the rug and say, right. and that's where the whole, I didn't own a slave. We call it the war of northern aggression, is the word we use. Mm-hmm. I'm, making, yes. I'm yeah, being yes. dismissive. But you make a good point, yeah, Anthony. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I yeah, I'm being dismissive of it being called that, but that is what happens mm-hmm. with people. Um you make a good point, Anthony, and I thought about that a minute ago. Not just Germany, but even South Africa with apartheid. Um Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I've referenced him a number of times, but I don't know if you've read Brian Stevenson will in gosh, is it are they doing it in Montgomery? I think it's in Montgomery, Alabama, where Brian Stevenson runs the Equal Justice Initiative or yeah, I think that's what the I stands for. Well, they are right now. I think it's opening in April. I'd love to go. But they are opening up a lynching museum because mm-hmm. of what you just described about Germany. Because Brian Stevenson, who's this, yeah, he's amazing. But his whole thing is, and he does it with compassion and poise and grace, but he says, we've never dealt with our national black eye, as you put it. And his efforts with the Institute or with the initiative is to push and cultivate and foster that conversation, which you don't get much more brazen than in Montgomery, Alabama, opening a lynching museum. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know this, Reed, but what they've done is they've gone to like, is it 300? All these different sites of lynchings throughout the country. Mm. And they've gathered soil samples. And... They've got two, we'll call them jars. I think they are actually jars. So EJI, from all these sites of lynchings throughout primarily the South, but the country period, they've got two jars. They've got one they're going to keep at the museum and one they have sent to the counties where this happened as a prompt, basically saying, hey, are you going to display this or not? Like a marker. Because what Stevenson talks about is in Germany, they have markers everywhere, like this yeah, is yeah, yeah. this is recognition. But no, you, you make a great point. And I think for people like Reed and I and, 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 and you know, folk of, of perhaps, not perhaps, folk of privilege by virtue of, of skin tone, like Reed, your comment about um, Lecrae's tweet mm-hmm. that you then piggybacked on Anthony that now I am going to further do. I think what's so fascinating to me and what I am trying to condition myself towards and educate myself and mature into is that Lecrae tweeting out a photo that, that has a, a, 
black bodies on a plantation in July of 1776 saying my family and people getting pissed off about it is a gospel issue. Yes. Is because man, our, our inability, you know, we, you know, read reference a minute ago, our conversations about the other all the time. And like to, to somehow say, Oh no, man, I'm not listening to your music anymore. That's as much a reflection of a sinful heart, to be frank. Yeah. Uh, sinful's yeah, not the right word I'm looking for, but you know what I mean. If if the gospel isn't a holistic exercise that swallows us all up yeah. in grace and love, mm-hmm. and recon- and more than that, recognizes however however little physical complicity I had in what happened to Lecrae's in, in Lecrae's image, I do bear the weight of that. And and to to deny that need for reconciliation is to maintain a splinter in what I would call the gospel. It's like, well, yeah, Jesus died for me and I'm going to heaven and I guess you're going to heaven too. I don't really have to worry about how that plays out on a very practical level and the implications that has for me as I relate to you in the world because, man, all lives matter. No. Right. Right. Go ahead, please. I, I think I think it you know goes back to the second thing I was going to say about what's going on here. The first was you know that we're not uh, recognizing our the black eye as a as a nation. But the other thing is it's a heart problem. Yes. This is strictly a heart problem. Right. The reason right. why we don't want to look at movies like this is because it offends our sensibilities. It offends who sure. we are, and it, sure. and it makes us uncomfortable. And I don't want to talk about it. Right. You know what I mean? And right. this and that's not a black or white thing. That's just a human heart thing. You yeah, know what I mean? Course. And it's like and, and what you're saying is is so true. Is we need to and I think this is where again we need to have some grace and say, you know what, we need to tackle this. We need to tackle the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. We need to talk. You know what I mean? And we need to talk about this and work this out. You know what I mean? And, right. and see how each other feels and bring the gospel into it so it can bring some reconciliation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I agree with that totally, Nathan. And I think I think that's one thing that I just I, I, I wish so badly that and I mean I think it does happen in pockets of isolated individual homes. Mm. Um, but not nearly enough and it hasn't reached the the hill, the Capitol Hill or the, the Church Hill or the mansion on the hill. It hasn't reached those places. But I think there are conversations that take place where people do desperately want to understand. But one of the things that I think is really getting, because we've kind of drifted a little bit away from Get Out, but let me bring this back to it. I think it is really smart and sharp that he made this this group of people pose as like a woke liberal family. Mm -hmm. That Because I think there is as much danger, I sincerely believe this, I know this is going to be a bold statement, but I think there is as much danger in feeling self-righteous about your own understanding of a thing as there is in being woefully ignorant and and oblivious to it. Like recently, as we're recording this, um, recently there there was some comments made from, uh, and these comments are now being disputed. I believe they were made. You know where I stand on this, but... Of course um, they were made. Of course (laughs) they were made. It sounds just like him. Like, I don't know why anybody thinks this wasn't said. 
Um, but where the where the, the the current president referred to certain uh, nations uh, as I'll just use the sanitized word as crap holes. He didn't mm-hmm. he didn't use that word. But one of the things that I think about when I when I look at this is I'm thinking of when you can categorize a whole swath of people as that. I almost I, I even said this to a couple of people. I'm like, why am I all mad that he said what we know? Right. People obviously think. Mm-hmm. Why are we? Why are we mad that there's yeah. this verbalization? Because I do think there can be this insane safety in saying like, "Oh no, I have I have tons of black friends. Oh no, I loved Obama. Oh mm-hmm. no, I have this other." There can be this safety where people like myself or people like Nathan or uh, those of us. Who don't let me in maybe, with you? Maybe oh. don't let me in with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the I'm the problem. I get it. I'm the problem. But like where we can have a tendency to feel very self assured mm-hmm. that we don't we don't have to deal with the problem when that couldn't be further from the truth. the The reality is that we have a shared culpability. Mm-hmm. That we have this this complete that that we all like the body and this is why it's so frustrating to see it in in religious circles but we all like the body we can't say oh i don't that's that's not my problem that's not my issue like i said earlier it may not be your fault but it is your responsibility mm-hmm. like we have a shared responsibility and we do have the ability to even if we aren't given direct authority over it we have the ability to influence things yeah. in subtle ways one way or another i had a, man i cannot believe i'm even going to say this but i'm just going to go ahead and say it so there's a buddy of mine at work, and um, I forget, gosh, I'm not even going to try to pretend that I remember where his specific heritage is, but his birthday was just recently. Um, his birthday is today. We are recording uh, on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we're recording about Get Out on Martin Luther <laughs> King Jr. Day. Um, <laughs> But, but so like that wasn't planned. It was just a happy accident, but Man, it happened. You and I are um, so but, woke. I'm so glad. I'm so woke. So I, mean, woke. I, I feel so self-righteous right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's a good song. Yeah. So the, but the, the, uh, it was his birthday and they put up things for his birthday because at our work, you know, we kind of celebrate each other and we decorate, we decorated uh, his cubicle for, and there were like four pictures of Martin Luther King with quotes. We we're getting to be pretty good pals. Mm. And so I called him over and I was like, can I ask you a question? very insensitive and he was like yeah yeah and i was like do you really love martin luther king or could they just not even think of something better to put for for your cubicle wow (laughs) and uh now the the reason i'm sharing that story is because like it turns out that is his birthday Hmm. so his birthday is is martin luther king jr day and he deeply admires him so it was very intentional Mm -hmm. it was all Mm -hmm. very specific and very intentional but the reason I point that story out is because there can be ways in which people can take a step back and without having the full perspective on, on any given situation mm-hmm. in either direction, not only the side that calls undeserving people crap holes or the side that's like, oh, I would never have done something so trivial as to like, like me, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, I'd never done something so trivial and dismissive and reductive as decorate you and Martin Luther King mm-hmm. when to him. That was that was exactly the right thing to do. Right. That was exactly a, a very individualized, personalized mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. And so I call that out only to say, like, it can be real easy yeah. as an individual who does not consider yourself very, uh, very racially biased in a variety of ways that you don't even 
realize you're doing it, mm-hmm. you know, to to appropriate certain things that we do need to we need to be grievous and we need to be recognizing of the call that we have as believers. I'm going to, with an eye towards possibly winding down, I'm going to bring in the scripture reference that I had um, uh, pigeonholed to, to kind of bring in here. So the scripture that I had in mind specifically was Acts chapter 10. And Acts chapter 10, in terms of welcoming the other into the gospel and into the kingdom, is one of the benchmark scriptures because it's where, uh, it's the story of Cornelius um, and Peter. Uh, there's there's a lot to unpack there that, that is probably not worth going into just for time's sake right now. But just suffice it to say that uh, Cornelius was a Gentile. He would not have been welcomed. And the Lord gave Peter a very specific visions like, you know, go and and speak to Cornelius and welcome him in. Don't call unclean what I've called clean and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so but looking down specifically um, at verse 34, um, it says, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. This is very, very simple. I think there is a calling that we have as believers not to be respecters of person, not to not to see someone. And I don't even mean we're talking very specifically about racial inequality, racial injustice, and racial reconciliation. But I would even go so far as to say it does extend to the to the gender conversation, and it extends to the class conversation, and it extends to anybody who carries of their person an attribute about which you would have a prejudice and about which you would have a predisposition to think of them in a certain way. I think we have a responsibility as believers. I get that the world doesn't get it. I don't understand why we as believers, well, because we still struggle with sin and everything, but we we should be better at this. We as believers should be better at knowing, like, hey, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, like, the Lord has grafted them all Mm -hmm. into the body and into the kingdom, and we will all break bread together, and we will all live and dwell together for eternity. We, we of, of any belief system that I'm aware of, should be so focused, I mean, Again, like the civil rights movement, particularly from the perspective of what I've heard of Martin Luther King Jr.'s elements of it, was largely driven by scriptural mandate, Mm -hmm. was largely driven by biblical principles. And to think how far we've come when somebody uh, supposedly professing an evangelical perspective, or at least a perspective that evangelicals seem to purport, um, would would talk about crap hole countries, or that that there would be a wide section of people who, uh, forgive me for just being so brazen, but like like who care more about um, the integrity of an image than they do. Hey, my my brother's wounded on the on the side of the road. Right. We need th- there, there's some pain here that we need to address and that we need to communicate about. Right. But no, we just. Too many people want to just say like suck it up and move it on, yeah. and and that's that's not gonna that's not gonna help anybody. We as believers need to do better. Is my point. I probably could have just shut up at that, but we as believers need to do better at understand, at listening, and at at hearing and at responding with compassion and empathy yeah. to to what we're hearing of of other people. Nathan, do you have anything you want to ask? Say, do talk. So many. 
So many things, Reed. So many things. <laughs> um, well, one thing I want to I want to touch on what you just commented on, Reed, and this question of what purports evangelicalism or not, and and this is scratching up against a whole lot of reading I've been doing of just the term evangelical and all sorts of stuff, but the more aerial view here. I think the bigger issue you're you're bringing up, whether you whether it was subconscious or not, is is power and mm. and 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 and, pers- and grasping it and holding tight to it and and the pursuit of it at all costs. And it's interesting that this is all kind of such a confluence. And sincerely, I'm so stupid I didn't even realize we're recording this on MLK. Or it didn't occur to me until this conversation, but. In this book, Changing Our Mind about LGBTQ, David Gushy, the author, talks about why is it that the LGBTQ issue is this sort of line in the sand. And I'm going to circle back around to race because these things are all kind of commingled. And he basically says because the evangelicals, of which he no longer counts himself, lost the culture war, if you will, on, on abortion, on egalitarianism, on mm. gay marriage. He says this is this final thing that they were, are just going to fight to the death on, and and to him it's it's an idol. It's a it's a it's a worship. It, it's it's sin. It, it's kind of this. Mm-hmm. If we want to use this language, it's kind of this hellish scent to it. In that, this is the thing that must define me, which is to be against something, which is to say, right. well, right. well, as scripture might suggest, well, at least I'm not that. You know, mm. and so when you talk about, and you can censor me, when you talk about our idiot president talking about whole countries, and and the implications of that, and the defense of that, is this gasp and grasp for power, perceived power, for prestige, for distinctiveness. When yes, the question, yes. The question should be, why Christians, why evangelicals are you going to defend this? The bigger question is, how the hell are we missing so brazenly the mandate of relinquishing of power, of humility, mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. Yeah. and I don't mean, I don't mean this in a LGBTQ way level, but, but maybe I do too, of inclusion. Like, yeah boggles my mind I don't think he'll ever listen to this there's a gentleman I interact with on Facebook great guy but we 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 are like this listeners don't know I'm punching my fist together and he I've been posting yes it is strong I've been posting quotes about this LGBTQ inclusion book I've been reading and he's like oh yeah well what about this where's the scripture for this and I, and I said to him, I was like, well, man, you know, at the end of the day, like, I want everybody at the table because I think that's what Jesus wants. And, and I can't tell you where scripture says the gays aren't welcome any more than I can tell you where scripture says slavery shouldn't be a thing because mm. it doesn't say that. But mm-hmm. Jesus instructs and the spirit informs. And here I am, like that is where I am personally. So 
and that's a long diatribe to address specifically for you, Reed, your conversation about the president and why, like, we should call this crap out. Um, and, and, and which, hear me, there is grace. There's grace for Donald Trump. There is. Oh, absolutely. Jesus, absolutely. Jesus adores him as he does me and went mm-hmm. to great lengths to redeem us all. Mm-hmm. But we, we, don't, we don't let a thing live where we can yes. that, that should be called out. This is a long-winded way. You, you asked Reed, did I have some, some, some question or some thought or final thoughts? Like, for better or worse, Anthony, you're the black man on a podcast talking about Get Out. <laughs> So, so you're kind of in the hot seat by default here, but I feel like we would be remiss to not sort of really be direct here. And for our listeners who I imagine are largely white dudes, could be wrong, but that's my guess. You know, I've referenced heavily this book, Changing Our Mind, that I've read, and, and, and I have LGBTQ peers in my life that, I, that I've been compelled, I haven't done it yet, and, and Lord may chasten me on that, who I've been compelled to reach out to and say, what does it look like to be an ally to you? Um, David Gushy, the writer of this book, he has this really beautiful uh, uh, argument construction that where he analogizes uh, Christians in Nazi Germany, bringing it back around to this, to Christians today. He said there's this progression that he sees, and it's from perpetrator to bystander to rescuer. He said, I've left the perpetrator role behind years ago. I was probably a perpetrator at one point. And, and this is for him and LGBTQ issues, inclusion rather. And he says, I was a bystander. I now want to be a rescuer which I think mm. Jesus would call us all to be for each other. Mm-hmm. And so for you, man, like we just met on this podcast tonight. Um, it's 1230 on Eastern standard time, by the way, <laughs> what is it? What does it look like to be, uh, I, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to apply the rescuer term here, but in terms of ally, like I want to open the dialogue for you, for Reed and I, for our listeners, uh, as part of this very important episode of the fear of God, what does it look like to be an ally, man? What does it look like to be an ally? What does it look like to, to, to go the distance? You know, uh, you feel free to footnote in there things, you, you know, if you have any anecdotes about people getting it wrong, because I think you made a great point earlier. Like there's grace, you know, people stumbling towards righteousness are going to screw up, but we show them grace yeah. because, because there's, there's forward movement. Uh, to quote the man himself, the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice. We are all, mm-hmm. uh, if, if we are, uh, how, how do you even qualify that statement? But like, I want to bend towards justice. And so yeah, what, is right. it, what does it look like for you? And in, in, as you even described in the sea of suburban whites, what does it look like to be an ally? You know, because, because me and Charlotte, our listeners throughout the country are encountering these experiences daily and probably yeah. want some insight so no pressure anthony no pressure <laughs> but solve race relations well, for us right now <laughs> well on behalf of all black <laughs> um i think i think what um living in my community and about maybe six years ago god really um, calling my wife and I to be a part of our community, not just live here. Because what we did largely was live here, 
our kids went to school here. Right. But we did right. everything else in a blacker place. World. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was L.A. Like, you know, we that's where we went to church. That's where we had all our community. Everything. Sure, it's pretty much sure. we just slept here, worked here, and uh, and our kids went to school here, but no part of the community. But God called us to be a part of this community. That's how sure. God led me to, you know, be a part of our church, work for our church, go to our church, be a member of yeah. our church. And what I've learned in um, being around uh, my brothers and sisters who don't look like me, haven't had the same experience experiences as me, is um, that they are in large, not racist. Mm-hmm. They just don't know. They don't know a lot. They don't know a lot about my culture. They don't know a lot about what we feel about certain things. Right. They just don't know a lot. And so because they don't know a lot, when you're when you're um when you're ignorant about something, you can, you know, you can make mistakes and you will make mistakes and if you don't ask questions, if you don't, you know, get some knowledge about that thing. And so what I've what I've done is is I, I like to do this. I like to bring people to the table. So mm-hmm. you ask, how can you be an ally to me? Let, let's go. Let's go to the table. Mm-hmm. And the table to me is, hey, let's let's bring our commonalities together. We're sure. both men. We're both right. Christians. Right. We both have wives. We both have children. Sure. We're fathers. Right. Let's bring all that commonality together, mm-hmm. and let's come together on our common. Our, the common themes of our lives that pull us together. Let's come together on that. Let's agree that Jesus is good for Christians mm-hmm. and that he's He's righteousness and we want to live the way he tells us to live. With people who aren't Christians, let's just come together on those things I just said. Sure. Let's come together and then as we come together, just get to know me as a person. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it takes to be an ally. Just to get to know me as a person, who I am, what makes me tick. You know what I mean? Yeah. What things make me grieve and what things make me happy. You know what I mean? Sure. Let's get to know yeah. one another. Yeah. And then as we get to know one another, as we come together with those commonalities, you know, what we're doing right there is let's not bring any of the things that separate us to the table right now. Let's just sure. come together with our commonalities. And then the next thing is, is um, truth. Bring truth and love. If you can tell me the truth about what you're feeling and not feel scared because you already know me as a person, I'm already your brother, you can tell me what you really feel. Read, because I know him really well, Mm -hmm. can call me up anytime he wants to talk to me and say, and he might preface it by saying, this is going to sound really insensitive, (laughs) but I want to know this. You know what I mean? But he knows that I love him enough to know that if he says something that because of something he doesn't know may offend me. Right. He knows I love him enough to know, oh, I'm going to give you grace on that read. No, that sure, don't say sure. that again. Here's yeah, how right. to go about that. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, and here's how right. I feel about that. Mm-hmm. And here's how most black people feel about that sure, type of thing. Of you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I, I will bring an example of this table thing um, to light here uh, recently. Uh, a couple of our friends who we've hung around with a long time since we've been at our um, at the school we go to out here. Our school that we send our children to our, is a private school, private Christian school is predominantly sure, white. Sure. And uh, both our friends are different nationalities. One is Hispanic and one is a white couple. Mm. And so we um, were talking, we were talking about something happened with our kids, uh, with a, a, a white a little boy and my little boy who's black, um, talking about the N-word. And they talked about the different kinds of N-words. They talked about the N-I-G-G-E-R, N-I-G-G-G-N-I-G-G-A. They talked about, you know, the difference between those two, right? My friends were so, we were talking about this at the table, talking about what our kids were talking about. And then they they were just like, 
we just shouldn't use either one. You know what I mean? And, and, mm-hmm. and my wife and I were trying to explain to them, well, in the black community, actually, we use one of them a lot. You know what I mean? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, we've kind of taken back that bad word and flipped it on its head and used that as a term of endearment sometime. And people don't understand that, those kind of things. But we just had this conversation. My point is, we had this conversation and they were like, I didn't even know that. Mm. I just I just would assume like don't say any of it is horrible bad you know what I mean right, and right. and it is you know what I mean in a lot of contexts sure, and it's sure. really muddy with all of that with the n word but just us sitting down talking about it, they learned something that they had never known right. before right. and they were able to sit down and say how do you really feel about that sure what do you feel about that you know what I mean and they brung the truth and they and they spoke the truth in love to me mm-hmm. and I was able to hear it in grace and say yeah well here's how we feel about it sure, and then being able to tell them man this is how it hurts us and this is what we think when uh, white folks may say it or when they say this or that whatever you know what I mean we were a- they were able to bring truth and I was able to tell them truth mm-hmm. that you know that helped them understand me more. You know what I mean? And then and then when that happens, we can bring our differences back into the fray because now you know me now you are my ally because Mm -hmm. we know each other. We have things in common and you can tell me the truth. And now we can bring our differences and say, let's work this out. So our generation of children who are playing in the room, by the way, when we're having these conversations and have no idea Mm -hmm. that the world separates them by their color, by their by their, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. They have no idea about that. They're just playing Xbox. Yes. And they love each other. You know what I mean? How can we make the world better for them? And I think by and large, you know, I mean, you you may run into some African-Americans who are pretty upset about the things that they've experienced or their parents or grandparents have experienced. Mm -hmm. And to be really honest, honest with you, I'm super upset. But a lot of the things that my people have experienced and that my personal and my family have experienced, you know, what I mean, and I've experienced myself. But what I try to do is not dump that on you, Reed, because mm, mm. that's not you. You're not the one who did that to me. Right, so I'm right. trying not to dump that on you. Now, when we talk about this, some of that passion and some of that rage and anger may come, come out. out. Yeah, of course. So understand course. that. Understand that. And, and try, you know, try to have some grace in that. You know sure, what I mean? And I understand for you, too. I had a friend who told me, you know, who just sat down and had a really candid conversation with me. And he said, I don't I don't want to be guilty. Mm-hmm. And what do you yeah. really want from us? Mm-hmm. And it was it was so I was like, I love you just for asking those questions. Sure. Right. Just for telling right. me that you don't want to be guilty and you won't be guilty and you want to know what we want. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I love that you said that to me. Sure. Now, let's talk. Yeah. And when and because of that conversation, we have become better brothers, better mm-hmm. friends. Right. And he is an older white gentleman. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, yeah. that yeah. that I love dearly. Yeah, you know what I mean, and so, um, so that's how you can be my ally. Come to the table, bring your commonalities. Let's get to know each other beyond the race, beyond the separate, separate things that separate us, and yeah. then let's tell each other the truth. And then yeah. when we tell each other the truth, we can get to, to some healing. That's yeah. that's awesome. You know, I, I'm going to be real selfish right here and say that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. Because, <laughs> 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 because, because, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that's really good. Just have have the conversation, sit down, have the have the talk. Anthony, we're going to do something real quick right here that I'm delighted to invite you to be a part of. Uh, we are we do with every film that we review, we rate uh, in a very specific metric uh, that in number of David S. Pumpkins, the Saturday Night Live All character. Right. 
right. Tom Hanks. So, uh, so we do we do three um, basic measurements. We do uh, we rate it on a scale of one to five. Okay. In style, in its scares, and in its substance. Okay. So style can mean whatever you think means to to me. It means sort of like the film craft, and for Nathan, it means usually more like how much he enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, scares kind of obvious; it's fear factor, and then substance. How much is there in it to think about and talk about, et cetera, like that? Um, so you ready? We're yeah. going to bring in David S. Pumpkins. Uh, wrap this wrap this episode. Um, so uh, I'll I'll go ahead and start, and then we'll go around the table this way. So. Um, for style, I mean, I think honestly, I would I would give Get Out. I think I'm going to give it a four point five on style. Um, I would be tempted to give it a five, um, but there are a couple of things that that I think maybe like we talked about with the ending or a couple of choices that could have gone in different mm-hmm. directions. Um, but I still think it's a very fully realized, fully fleshed out um, piece. Anthony, what would you give it in in terms of style, a scale out of five? Um, style, I, I think, you know, when I think about style, I think about the music, I think about the overarching theme and, um, and shots, cinematography. Sure, really yeah, of course, me. yeah. So um, I think, you know, with that, I would give it a, a, a four, a 4.0. Okay. All right. Yeah. You got it, Nathan. What would you give for style? Um, I'm gonna give it a five. I think that right. it is incredibly gripping and enjoyable the first time. I think it's eminently rewatchable. Um, sure. I, I really don't. There, there is little to nothing I would look at and say oh, I would have done that differently. I just think it's solid. Sure. Well, what would you give it for uh, for its scares, for its fear factor? Well, it's funny. I was thinking about that just a second ago when you were introducing Mr. Pumpkins, and I think it's very scary, uh, uh, especially that first watch. I'm going to give it a four um, because I didn't even mention, I call him Groundskeeper Willie, running across the field, um, <laughs> right. or which is oh scary as crap. And like, if you don't know the context of the movie, some of this stuff is just terrifying. That's terrifying. Um, yeah. And then yeah. uh, grandma in the car at the end, like all of that stuff. Oh, man. On a, yes. So on a pure, yes. just kind of horror right. movie level, it totally works. So I'm, I'm going to give it a four. All right. Anthony, what would you give it for scares? So we didn't get to talk about this, but one of my favorite parts of the movie uh-huh. is when uh, grandma uh-huh um was uh talked to chris at the cell phone scene oh yeah 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 and, and she and has her big flip out she like, she flips out because the person who she really is is trying to come back to the surface yes. but she chokes her back down and then starts you know and she cries a little bit it's the freakiest scene oh in that God. movie yeah. to me but a lot of those things and she is a really big freak factor to me in that but it's it was pretty good and scary so i'll give it a i'll give it out a 4.5 okay all right 4.5. I think for me with scares, I'm, I'm like you, Nathan, I'm going to land at a four. There's some creepy scenes. I think just overall, I, th- I think there's a lot of tension in that last half hour. Like once the whole conceit has been revealed, um, the tension ratchets up really well. I'm going to give it a four for that. Um, Anthony, I'm going to pivot to you for our last one for, for substance. What would you, what would you rank it for, for general substance? You know what I mean? Just because of the, the content and, uh, 
man, it has so much in it. Sure. I, I, it had a lot of substance for me. Mm-hmm. And I would watch it over and over because of that. Sure, sure. And uh, because it's a smart horror movie, so I, I'll give it a five. All right, awesome. Uh, I'm gonna echo that. I think it's a. I think there's definitely a wealth of things to talk about. It's conversation starters, um, both in the bizarre, the macabre, the abstract, and the the very literal. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna give it a five as well. Nathan, what about for you? A zero. I'm just kidding. Totally. Um, okay. No, I, I mean, I'm going to give it a five. I think the very essence of sure. this movie is substance. And uh, it, that's to me what's so impressive about it is the the heart of the film is about things. And he dresses it up in a very amazing fashion with the horror and the comedy and the performance and the script. Sure. And the, and the conceit. So, yeah, a five. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that means that we officially, at Fear of God rating, we give uh, the the wonderful Jordan Peele directed Get Out a 9 out of 10 wow. David S. Pumpkins. Oh, so amazing. that's a that's a sizable. I think I think the only other film to ever really get that was The Visit, right? Um, I'm just I'm teasing you. We've given we've given a couple of full 10s before, but man, 9 out of 10 is a hearty rating and I think Get Out well deserves it. Um we're gonna. Uh, I'm gonna pivot out to our uh, social media, our stock social media outro. But Anthony, uh, you've provided a tremendous amount of insight to this conversation. Thank you so much. If somebody does want to dialogue with you or get in touch with you, do you have some social media platform or a way that they can uh, get in touch with you that you want to share with the the audience? How can people reach out to you? Absolutely. You can. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at at. Uh, Anthony YPD mm-hmm. or you can find me on Facebook Anthony Doris uh, Doris is spelled D-O-R-R-I-S perfect perfect um, well again thank you so much for being here taking time out of your evening to be with me Nathan uh, I know you are horse as a horse as a horse horse uh, as a horse uh, <laughs> but Nathan thank you so much for taking the time um, to, to have this conversation with me as always um, listeners thank you very much for listening to this oversized episode uh, a very important and special fear of God um, but sincerely uh, thank you very much listeners we appreciate all of you Anthony appreciate you so much Nathan I appreciate you and uh, guys we'll uh, check out social media to see where we'll be and we'll catch you next time alright bye Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. To continue this conversation, you can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God. You can visit us on Facebook to comment on one of our posts or post there yourself. You can follow Reed on Twitter at Reed Lackey. You can follow Nathan on Twitter at The Nathan Rouse. Visit MoreThanOneLesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the other official episode posts. Email us, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com, all one word, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or review. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.